praise him in worship. My name is Avril Allen, and my wife Kathy and I have uh, been here uh, in Chiang Mai and part of CCF for about three and a half years now, uh, though this is the first time I've been up here for this purpose. Um, Pastor Tim is away this weekend in Isan, uh, in the eastern part of Thailand, for those of you who are new to the country, and uh, he is uh, teaching and uh, uh, working with mentoring some uh, church planters uh, over in the eastern part of the country and uh, preaching this morning in Thai. So uh, he could use our prayers even as we're thinking about him uh, while I talk now. For the, last, for the last few months, we've been going on a journey as God has begun to reveal himself to people in the book of Genesis. So we've seen, we've seen the creation, and we've seen things begin to unfold in the garden, uh, and all the, the different relationships, uh, the, the, the characters and the relationships that uh, uh, in the first 20 chapters, first 21 chapters uh, of the book of Genesis. A while back, about two months ago, uh, we saw the situation of God calling Abram out of the land of his fathers to go to a promised land for the purpose of choosing him and blessing him, but for the purpose of blessing all the nations of the earth. I want to bring it up about a month. Uh, right about a month ago, we were in chapter 18, and we entered a very uh, a period of several elements, several events in Abraham's life, uh, that uh, were pretty concentrated together, okay? In, eight, in chapter 18, there were the messengers that came, the angels from the Lord. Um, by the way, before we get into all of that, can we pray for a second? Okay. Lord, we worship you and praised you. We've come to a place where we recognize your presence here with us this morning. And we thank you for that. I pray, Lord, that you will take the things that uh, I've studied and pondered upon and that you've raised up in my heart to share this morning uh, and use those in the lives of all of us. Your revelation of yourself in the events of real-life people, in this case, Abraham. So, Lord, be with me to communicate you, your truth, your reality, who you are. And do that, Lord, I pray, to my spirit and soul, my life as well as to into the lives of those who are here today. So, Lord, if there's anything that I say that's wrong or anything in my attitude that is impure, Lord, work despite that, we pray. And work within each one of these brothers and sisters through your spirit that they might receive what it is that you want to communicate and nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen.
Okay, back again. Uh, in chapter 18, uh, we have the situation where the messengers of God, they're on their way uh, to Sodom and Gomorrah to scope out the situation there uh, because there's bad rumors about what that place, those places were like. And uh, they're preparing to destroy it. And they come uh, to Abraham uh, and they say, you know that baby we promised you a long time ago? Well, a year from now, Sarah is going to give birth to a baby from your loins. Uh, and those of us who were here a month ago remember the reaction that both Abraham and Sarah had. Um, so the, the messengers of God go forth from, uh, from Abraham at that point. They go to, um, to Sodom and Gomorrah, and Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. Though Lot, uh, Abraham's nephew, and his wife and two daughters uh, are saved from that destruction, though the wife turns back, and we know about that. And then the, the chapter 19 ends with the births of uh, Moab and Ben-Ami, uh, Lot's grandchildren, actually his children, they should have been his grandchildren, uh, through his daughters. Uh, and that was the birth, uh, the beginnings of the Moabite and Ammonite nations. Uh, that became problems later on. Both problems, and there was a blessing that came out of Moab, too. So uh, then in chapter 20, uh, as, as Abraham is, is still on this journey of many years, uh, he comes into this area in southern Canaan, uh, which is uh, in an area, well, it's going to be named Beersheba today, uh, but it is about probably 50 miles east of the Mediterranean, uh, in the uh, uh, in in southern Israel now, uh, it's east of the Gaza Strip that we hear about in the news. Okay, Philistine territory. Uh, but he goes to this town of Gerar, uh, which is ruled by a king called Abimelech, and deceives Abimelech. He's afraid. Uh, he's 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 going around, and he had agreed with Sarah that wherever he went. Uh, that uh, wherever they went together, that they would uh, uh, they would say that Sarah was his sister. She was his half-sister, uh, and not his wife. Well, Abimelech wanted to take her to become his wife, and so took her into his household, into his harem. But before he had relations with her, God warned him in a dream, says, you're a dead man, uh, and, and went through uh, several steps like that. He actually then asked uh, forgiveness of Abraham gave him tremendous gifts uh, and said please pray to the Lord that we might be healed Okay, they were facing extinction because the Lord had smitten them with infertility all of the men and all of the women uh, of Gerar and so uh, God warned Abimelech if you don't ask my prophet Abraham for uh, for this uh, for him to pray for you, uh, you'll not survive. Okay, that's worth knowing. Um, Abraham prayed. The folks in Gerar were healed. And, and Abimelech says, you are free to live anywhere in this region that you choose. Uh, 
Uh, and so he went back east a ways again uh, with his entourage uh, and sojourned there in peace. Verses 1 to 7 in chapter 21, we had the birth of Isaac. Now all of this stuff, from the messengers of God coming to Abram uh, to the birth of Isaac, was one year. Okay, we think we have stress on occasion in our lives. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in his life. Now, last Sunday, uh, in verses 8 to 20, Pastor Tim was taking us through the situation uh, where uh, Isaac grows up to be weaned, usually done at about anywhere between two to four years of age. Let's, let's say two to three. Uh, and so we're probably two to three years on uh, where we're picking up today. But Ishmael, the son that uh, Abraham had had through Hagar, the servant woman, was being very cruel when they were preparing for Isaac's weaning ceremony, um, big party basically. Uh, Ishmael very cruelly was taunting uh, Isaac. Sarah, seeing this, this is the last straw for her. She demands that Ishmael and Hagar uh, be thrown out of the household, uh, exiled. They are. Though the Lord saves them, and, and as, as they cry out to the Lord, he, he gives them a promise as well. But he makes it very clear that the, the main promise of blessing the nations of the earth... Uh, is going to be through Isaac and through his descendants. He's the child of promise. Abraham probably uh, would have liked to sit down under a tree after that year and just sort of get his breath because there's been a lot of things that have uh, gotten him uh, emotionally uh, worked up and down and stretched from one side to the other. And uh, it hit me in, in, in looking through here and thinking back on this. What if I had some experiences like that or some periods of time in my life um, that were quite eventful? And I did think about one uh, because we have several generations of people in here. Uh, my high school years were pretty eventful spiritually. Uh, I was raised in a very legalistic environment. Uh, I was driven by fear. I had a very, very wrong view of who God was. Um, in my crying out and trying to figure out what in the world I believed, I read uh, a fairly startling statement by a guy, I believe it was Francis Schaeffer. And he wrote that there was something that was very unique about the Bible that made him believe, uh, among other things, that this really is God revealing himself to people. And, and the thing that had impressed him so much was that in the Bible, the characters that are talked about, 
people like Adam and Eve. People like uh, Noah. People like uh, Abraham and David. They're real people. They're flesh and blood kinds of folks. Um, yes, they have amazing things that take place in their lives, but the way they're described, they're, they're, the way they're th- they think, the way that they react, the way that they act, is very much like what we see in ourselves each day and what we see in people around us, which is unlike any other um, religious literature from, from that time. Um, basically, this is 2,000 years before Christ. And um, so 4,000 years ago, and, and, and we've got some very realistic people being described here. Uh, and Abraham and, and, and Sarah and all these kinds of events in their lives, and uh, we, can, we can relate to these things. The other ancient literature describes people that are more like Marvel comic characters. Okay? They're caricatures. They're all good and all super in one way or another, or they're entirely evil and they have these super evil powers. But they're not real people. So this, but this idea really, in, in my period of eventfulness, of things in my life, this was something that, um, uh, that really helped me center on who God is and to begin to get a grasp of who, what his character is. And that's a lot of what's going on here in this story uh, and in this series of stories, of events, uh, in this book of Genesis, this book of beginnings of God creating the world and dealing with humankind. Um, so we see in, in these things, in these stories, things that, re- that relate to how we are. And, uh, and that's very important uh, for our faith. I just want to leave that with you, particularly high schoolers and college-age people, to think about that and, and ponder that as we go on. Um, because the longer I live, the more I find that I have uh, limitations in my life, the more I fail, uh, the more I disappoint uh, the people that I love the most, the more I disappoint God. Uh, well, we see those kinds of things, uh, both the good and the not so good in the lives of people of faith. Okay. Let's pick up with chapter 21 uh, in verses 20, verse 22. We'll read verse 22 to 33. I'm sorry, 34. This is about Abraham's, Abraham's covenant with Abimelech. About this time, probably three to four years after the event with Sarah and Abimelech, uh, Abimelech came with Phicol, his army commander, to visit Abraham. God is obviously with you, helping you in everything you do, Abimelech said. So swear to me, in God's name, that you will never deceive me, my children, or any of my descendants. I've been loyal to you. Now swear that you will be loyal to me and this country where you are living as a foreigner. Abraham replied, yes, I swear to it. 
Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well that Abimelech's servants had taken by force from Abraham's servants. It's an interesting surprise. Well, this is the first I've heard of it, Abimelech answered. I have no idea who is responsible. You've never complained about this before. Abraham then gave some of his sheep, goats, and cattle to Abimelech, and they made a treaty. But Abraham also took seven additional female lambs and set them off by themselves. Abimelech asked, Why have you set these seven apart from the others? And Abraham replied, Please accept these seven lambs to show your agreement that I dug this well. Then he named the place Beersheba, which means well of the oath, because that was where they had sworn the oath. After making their covenant at Beersheba, Abimelech left with Phicol, the commander of his army, and they returned home to the land of the Philistines. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and there he worshipped the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham lived as a foreigner in Philistine country for a long time. I guess if we were people living out uh, in Isan, the folks that uh, Pastor Tim is talking with today, um, we probably wouldn't get all worked up about uh, the text of, uh, of Genesis and all that kind of stuff, but we've got, we're Westerners for the most part and uh, have gone through a lot of education and come out of a culture that questions everything. Uh, so there is, just, just to let you know that some of the commentators, uh, there, there's some divided opinion about when this took place. Um, some would suggest that about the phrase about this time refers to when Abraham first encountered uh, Abimelech and had that situation with Sarah. Uh, so some of them would say it just fits as a follow-on to that. Um, others feel that uh, it did follow Isaac's birth and his weaning celebration and Ishmael and, uh, and Hagar being sent away. And I'll just let you know that that's where I come down on it. I, I think this fits quite well with that. Yeah, they're, they're aware of the stuff that's gone on before, uh, but this is, a, this is a new day and a new story, a new encounter between uh, Abraham and Abimelech, uh, as, as I understand it. So Abimelech is the king of Gerar. We've mentioned that. It's a Philistine city about 20 miles, 25 miles northwest of Abraham's encampment, and it's about... Hmm, little over a third of the way from there to where Gaza is, Gaza City is now, um, uh, on, on the coast of the Mediterranean. Uh, it's been about 25 years, maybe a little less, probably a little bit more, uh, since Abraham led three other kings uh, to rescue Lot and his wife and family when, when a uh, coalition of kings came sweeping down from the north and uh, carried uh, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and several other towns uh, down around the Dead Sea when he carried them off hostage and, and took their goods. And uh, it said that when, when he did that, uh, that was back in chapter 14, that, uh, that Abraham had 
I believe it was 318 trained fighting men who had been born in his own household. Okay, I mention that because until I remember that, I think about Abimelech coming to see Abraham, and I think, I think of Abimelech and, and Phicol coming alone, and, and they're just coming up to some tent in the desert to see, to see Abraham. But, uh, but Abraham, even back then, 25 years before, I would guess he must have had 1,500 to 2,000 people in his household in order to have raised up 318 fighting men and then to be able to charge off and take weeks uh, to go and pursue these other kings leading the troops from from uh, four other kings or five kings and uh, uh, so we're, we're talking a large number of people because he said it was after that that he received really special blessing through Melchizedek and and uh, and things began to, to, to hone in even more. And, uh, and God was at work in his life. And I suspect, I suspect that, that he might have had, when, when Abimelech comes this day, he might have had four to 5,000 people in his household. We're talking, we're talking a huge encampment that's like moving a small town. So chances are uh, Abimelech and Fecal are probably also accompanied by a small contingent of troops because they're perceiving a threat. These people are growing. They're being blessed. In fact, that's what, uh, that's what he says. Um, so it's not just a social call. He sees the threat, and, uh, and he's, his purpose is that, that because he, he's given his word that, that Abraham, is, Abraham is free to live in the region wherever he wants, but he's growing and growing and multiplying and being blessed. His crop, his, his herds are, are growing, and probably his people are raising issues about these guys are going to take over um, because uh, he comes and he says, I want to have a treaty of peace. Okay, and uh, so he's already gone through the situation two and a half, three years before where Abraham had deceived him. So he says, in this, he says, I want you to promise me that you're going to be truthful with me. That you'll treat us kindly. That you'll be faithful to us just as we've, we've been faithful to our word for you. Because we see that God is blessing you in everything you do. Okay? Think about your other study about the Philistines. This doesn't sound like them. <laughs> Recognizing the awesomeness of God and of God's blessing on, on Abraham. But say, we want, you to, we want you to make this covenant with us that you will treat us fairly, that you will be honest with us, uh, that you'll be loyal to us uh, as we have been to you. Uh, not only you, but your descendants. Uh, Abraham agrees. I swear to it, he says. And then they go through the cultural, uh, the cultural deal of exchange uh, of, of Abraham giving animals 
uh, to, uh, to Abimelech. In the previous encounter, Abimelech had blessed him with many animals. Abraham exchanges uh, animals back in the other direction, not nearly as many. But understand the situation, too, geographically. Southern Canaan, west of the Dead Sea, is a pretty arid territory. It has very little rainfall. Not, it doesn't have, uh, doesn't have lush vegetation like we have here. It doesn't have a lot of streams or rivers flowing through it. It's dry. And uh, Abraham and his servants, because of this, this huge number of, of uh, animals that they had, 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 uh, had dug hand by hand at least one well, this is what we're talking about here, that, that Abimelech's servants had taken by force from them. They needed it to survive. Um, there wasn't enough rain. There wasn't water readily available. And if you're going to live in that kind of environment, you've got to have access to water. This is huge. Uh, but Abimelech's servants get jealous, basically. They, they, they noticed the situation. They resented the situation. They acted on it by taking it away. Um, now, my wife Kathy grew up in Wyoming uh, to the uh, east of the Rocky Mountains. And after we were married, I grew up in Michigan, but after we were married, for about three and a half years, we lived east of the Rockies in Colorado. Um, it was also pretty arid, although it had both of those areas had quite a bit more rain than you'd have in southern Israel, in, in, in southern Canaan. Uh, but about 100, 150 years ago, there were some tremendous battles called range wars that were fought uh, all along. The, that, that area of the, of the plains on the eastern side of, of the Rocky Mountains because they were battling over water. Okay. Uh, we lived for a couple of years in a, in a house, rented house on a property that had an irrigation ditch going along it, probably a meter and a half deep by a meter or two wide. And uh, I was into gardening wanted to uh, do a vegetable garden and wanted to, and thought, oh, well, I'll just get some of the water, I'll siphon some water from the irrigation ditch. Uh, landlord said, don't do it. <laughs> and, and I said, well, why? He said, because there were range wars that were fought over this water, over the water rights, uh, 100, 150 years ago, and there are laws that are established. And if you take even a drop of this water out of that ditch, you could be put in prison as a thief, okay? Uh, and in different parts of the world, maybe even in Nissan, you mess with people's water and you create real conflict uh, and legal situations. So uh, this is a, it, it's, it's something that's realistic. So Abimelech thought he was being proactive in this situation. He didn't realize that trouble wasn't only brewing, it had already erupted, okay, with his, with his servants uh, stealing the, taking back that uh, well. So when Abraham, right after agreeing to make this non-aggression and mutual friendship treaty with him, uh, when he forcefully complains, as, as the way the Hebrew puts it basically, uh, he forcefully complains that Abimelech's servants had used force to take that well from his servants, uh, Abimelech was shocked. He said, this is the first I've heard of it. 
uh, I, I don't even know who did it. Well, why didn't you say something before? Okay. But at any rate, Abraham wants to move ahead. So um, in 2014, uh, Abimelech had given Abraham the sheep and cattle. Abraham now gives sheep and cattle to Abimelech to make this treaty of friendship and non-aggression. But uh, in, in, chapter, in verse 28, uh, he, he takes then this, this next other seven uh, female lambs. And this, this is really important in, uh, in that cultural area with, in, in shepherd, with shepherds and so forth because a fe- the female lamb was considered to be more valuable than a male because she could bear young, she could bear milk, and uh, give milk and so forth. And so uh, you wouldn't have to kill her to get the benefit uh, of having her. So, so they take seven, a perfect number, lambs, set them aside uh, to give to Abimelech in this situation. Uh, and Abraham says, please accept these seven lambs to show that you agree that I dug the well. Again, this parallels with Abimelech giving gifts of a thousand shekels to Abraham to say, please accept that I did not have relations with your wife, that I acted purely with her, and so forth. In the same way, culturally, Abraham is giving the seven uh, ewe lambs uh, to him, saying, please accept this as recognition that we dug this, I dug this well. And so he does accept it. And by accepting it says, Abraham dug the well, it belongs to him, the water's his. Abraham calls it Beersheba because it means it's the, the well of the oath uh, where they had the, uh, where they, they did the non-aggression pact. And then it says, Abimelech and Phicol left Abraham at Beersheba. They returned to the land of the Philistines, so about 25, 30 miles away. Uh, and uh, but and Abraham is left to live there in peace as a foreigner, as a resident alien, as a stranger. Um, so he he doesn't own the land, but he owns the rights to the water. And uh, and that's essential if they're to survive. And and it gives him de facto uh, possession of the area around it that lets him begin to put down roots, even though he doesn't occupy the, the whole of the promised land, and that doesn't even come for another 450 years for his family. Um, but in this, he sees God at work. And he, he plants a tamarisk tree or, or a tamarisk grove. That's, uh, for those of you who, from, uh, who have been to the promised land, uh, to, uh, to Israel or whatever, or North Africa, uh, it's sort of it's known in the U.S. as a salt cedar. Um, so it's it's a tree that can grow. It can be kind of shrubby and so forth, uh, and, and a windbreak. But it can grow 30, 40 feet tall, and it can offer shade. Uh, but it takes a long time. So this is when you plant something like this. This is a planting for future generations. Um, but. Uh, at any rate, this is significant, and he, he does this rather than putting an altar up, but his response then to it, what, what he does next, is he worships God. Um, and uh, he, he, he worships Yahweh, the Lord, 
and he calls him a new title that we haven't heard before. It's called El Olam, or the Eternal God. Okay, so we're seeing something more here of God revealing himself to who he is. People's, this is, and this is significant because peoples in the Middle East each had their own, uh, their own gods, their own local gods. The god of this river or that mountain or of the forest. Uh, we've seen some things like that around here uh, in much of the earth. Okay? Uh, th- they represented these gods with idols of wood or stone or metal. Uh, and, and they were intensely loyal to them. They would kill you over it, you know, over uh, insulting the god. Um, because, uh, but they were, they were local for local places, specific times and situations, uh, maybe even spirits of the dead or something like that in terms of the way they thought about them. Uh, but they needed to appease them. Uh, so it was an amazing thing. When Abraham had come into town, or into the wilderness, into this region, wherever Abraham went, God was. Okay, God was with him. God revealed himself to Abimelech three years before. Uh, Abimelech's remembering that in this situation. And uh, so... Wherever Abraham went, God was, and he was more important, more powerful than these local deities. And people, people could see that there was some, something different here. Yeah, and they saw that God was blessing Abraham in an unusual way. When, when, when other peoples went, uh, if they emigrated to some place, they, they left their God behind. Okay, and they, they, they picked up the gods of the place where they went. Uh, they, they related to the spiritual realities nearby. But the God of Abraham was wherever God Abraham was. Okay, and so he's recognizing him and saying, one of the things he's seeing is, you are the eternal God, and he worships him. And this is, this is something new under the sun. Um... Uh, and just a little more insight into who God is. So they lived in that Philistine territory for a long time, it says. As I was uh, studying for today and and, uh, praying and asking the Lord, what would it be that, uh, that, that I need to learn from this? and what would be beneficial for uh, people here in this unusual church that is mostly ministers, uh, people who, have, who the Lord has brought to another part of the world to, to live. What can I share that, that's, uh, that might be meaningful? Um, he impressed several things on me, not just from this chapter, but from the whole scope of what we've been studying uh, that I think is important. First one is, if God chose Abraham, a real person with some great attributes and some really deep character defects, uh, to become the father of the faithful, to become the father of those through whom Jesus would come, 
to bless every nation on the earth. If he could, if he could choose and work in and through Abraham, he can work in and through you and me. And we need, I think, to be reminded of that from time to time. Um, we may be feeling great today, but tomorrow we might not. Or some of us might not be feeling very great about ourselves today and what's happening. And, uh, and, and so this is a time to, to remember that, 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 that when, if God can use Abraham or any of these other characters in the Bible, he can use you and he can use me. Number two is when I get down on myself because for the 10,000th time, uh, I've done the thing that so shames me. Uh, or I've lashed out hurtfully at someone that I love. Uh, someone that is a dear co-worker, whatever, family member. Or I've failed to live up to a key responsibility that I have in ministry. Or I've not kept a commitment that I made to God. Right then, it's really essential that I remember that God's gifts and his calling are irrevocable. I didn't know that as a young man. This is one of the things that I ended up learning out of the thing I told you about earlier. Over the last few weeks, we've seen how important that is for Abraham. Okay, he's blown it several times in the last few weeks. Uh, and uh, he'll blow it again uh, in the weeks that we look ahead, and so will we. So have we, and so will we. Um, so it's, it's important that we recognize that. Listen to, listen to Romans 11, 28 and 29. Many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news. This benefits you Gentiles, yet they are still the people he loves, God loves, because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. That is important for me today. Uh, and many times a month, I need to be reminded of that. Okay, I suspect some of the rest of us do too. Galatians 3 came to mind. Uh, I don't have time to read it all. Uh, you can do that on your own. Um, but uh, the whole chapter is dealing with God's promise to Abraham to bless the nations through him and his descendants, particularly his descendant Jesus, um, and how that will bless every child of faith, whether we come from Jewish parentage or from one of the other nations of the world. Um, God promised, we've been, we were singing early on about, uh, about waiting for the promise, basically. Waiting for things to be fulfilled. And the, uh, one of the things that I hear and feel from time to time is, Lord, when? Uh, you, you have a responsive people in some places, in other places that we work, we see almost nothing. And we get discouraged. And we say, when? Uh, or even things within our own lives. 
So God has promised, and he's at work drawing more and more people uh, to enjoy his rich blessings as Abraham's spiritual children of faith. Okay, even today, 4,000 years later. Worth remembering. Second uh, Timothy 2.13 helps me remember again and again that the reason God's gifts and calling and promise are not and cannot be withdrawn really has to do not with me but with who he is. Okay? 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we, in part, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny or turn his back on who he is. Okay? I need to remember that when I'm not faithful, when I'm disappointed when I think I've waited too long. Jeremiah 29 tells the people of Judah they're about to go into exile. God's actually sending them into exile. This sounds like a terrible thing, and on some levels it is. Uh, But he's sending them into exile in Babylon. And he said, you know, I want to give you a message about how you can survive in Babylon and come out better and stronger, that you can thrive and come out better and stronger on the other side. By the way, we're not in Babylon. We haven't been sent into exile. But I think that uh, the principles here are very, can be very well taken for the situations that we have in a strange land, in a different land, or in the countries around this land, uh, ministering in the name of the Lord. He says, work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I send you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I send you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. We more frequently go on to a few verses later, verse 11, that says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Okay, that was for exiles before they went to Babylon. To give them a hope and a future. Um, And I believe it applies to us as well. The other thing is that Abraham very much for a long time, decades, was a pilgrim and a stranger wherever he went. Because he was gone from his father's home and the, home, and the homeland of his fathers. Even when he got to the promised land, it wasn't delivered yet. That was going to be for 450 years later that the children of Israel would finally come in and take the land. So uh, he's waiting. And uh, Hebrews 11, I won't, uh, for time, I won't go to there to read it right now, but Hebrews 11, talking about the, the heroes of the faith, says that all of these people, and at this particular point in the chapter, uh, verse 13, 
uh, it's gone from creation from, from Adam and Eve through to Abraham and Sarah. And he said that all of these people had received a promise. They were expecting the fulfillment of the promise, and they lived their lives, and they didn't see it. They saw parts of it, but they didn't see the whole thing. Uh, a little bit later, I think it's chapters, uh, well, just to say, we'll read just a tiny bit of it. Because it says that they all agreed. They saw it from a distance and welcomed what the Lord had promised them. Um, they all agreed that they were foreigners and nomads on the earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. Okay, this is, we can read this for us. Okay? Uh, if they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland, and that is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Okay? We won't see all of it either in our time on earth. But uh, at the end of the chapter here, it does say that we see more than they saw because we've seen Jesus come who was the child of promise and we have received new life in Jesus and we've received a commission from Jesus and a promise and a hope from Jesus but we still walk in the same kinds of situations that Abraham walked in but it's secure for us last point because we worship and we serve the eternal God. Lord, take these words, use them in our lives, encourage us where we need to be encouraged, Lord, as people meditate on some of the passages, use it to reprove us if we need it or rebuke us but always knowing that your intent is that we have a future and a hope and that we live in as strangers and, and pilgrims uh, in a land that we need to bless with your life and your peace and your hope by the power of your spirit. In Jesus we pray. Amen.